Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And with that, we welcome you inside of our Meadowlands studio here in New Jersey. I am Greg Sussman, joined inside Studio 34 by BFF Frank Stamp. What's up, Frank? Hey! Greg, hey, what's going on, man? Excited to be here. Obviously, going to talk about shortstop today. We've got a few more injuries, Greg. Surprise, surprise. That's all we get throughout spring training is injuries. What's going on with you? How'd you sleep last night? You mean, you mean Chris Sale does not have the flu? Is that what you're telling me? Wait, can the flu really cause Tommy John? Because then I might need it. Is it too early to make like a coronavirus joke? Probably. That, that Chris Sale's flu turned into it. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. Wasn't sure, wasn't sure like the, the details yeah, on that. But, yeah, don't touch uh, that yeah. one yet, Greg. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I won't. I slept fantastically, though. I went to bed at like 11.30-ish and slept like a full amount of time for once. And I was ready to rock this morning looking at shortstops, uh, looking at first baseman in in preparation for that show coming up later this week. And I just texted you, there are literally 16 first basemen I like, and there's not a single other one that I want on my team. What about Danny Santana, Greg? Danny Santana, which qualifies at every position, is still somebody that I don't want on my team. Oh, well, I guess that's your loss. No, I'm not on Danny Santana either. First base is not a great position this year, Greg. Shortstop, a little bit better. That's the one we'll be previewing today. It is. It is solid. I also have to talk to you. I got a trade offer in my home league, and I need your advice, Frank. Uh, I would be giving up my fourth overall pick for the 10th overall pick and his third rounder. Is there a keeper league? What do you think? I guess it comes down to who can you realistically get at four and who can you realistically get at uh, ten. But we'll talk about we'll talk about that more after this, Greg. All right, fair enough. So when we come back, uh, we're going to get into the NBA tip drill for tonight. You'll hear more about my trade and, of course, these short stops that you should and should not be drafting here in 2020. But before all of that, we begin today's program with a news update from our guy Alex Fasano. I am Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid news update here on the Fantasy BFFs. Guys, in the NBA, New York Knicks super fan Spike Lee, well, he won't be at his usual courtside seat for the rest of the season. He appeared on ESPN's first take this morning, and Lee said he's taking a hiatus from Madison Square Garden. A quote from Spike says, I'm coming back next year, but I'm done for the season. 
I'm done. Lee's comments come a day after a video circulated online showing Lee yelling at Madison Square Garden security about the entrance he used to enter the game. However, uh, Lee and Knicks owner James Dolan could be seen shaking hands and smiling at halftime, and Lee was in his sideline seat at the second half during the Knicks' uh, defeat of the Houston Rockets 125-123. to In Major League Baseball, the Boston Red Sox left-hander Chris Sale, well, he's having an MRI on Tuesday after experiencing soreness in his elbow. Manager Ron Renicki acknowledged the concern as the team awaits results. These results will be sent to Dr. James Andrews for evaluation. Andrews uh, saw Sale last August after the seven-time All-Star was shut down for the season with elbow inflammation. Sale had platelet-rich plasma injection at the time but avoided surgery. Uh, Sale had already uh, been notified that he will start the season on the injured list as he reported to camp with pneumonia. Sticking with Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman said right fielder Aaron Judge is feeling better but will have more tests to determine the cause of his soreness in his right pectoral area. Judge was shut down from hitting a week before spring training with shoulder soreness. He experienced discomfort on Friday when he took batting practice for the second straight day in an indoor cage. A quote from Cashman says he feels more now in the peck. It's moved down toward the peck. We're just trying to figure it out and determine what's bothering him. You got a full slate of NBA, NHL, and college hoops tonight. Let's go to the Hockey League where the Montreal Canadiens visit the New York Islanders. Islanders are your goal and a half favorite. The total, five and a half. The St. Louis Blues visit the New York Rangers. Blues are your goal and a half favorites. The total is six. And the Nashville Predators Visit the Minnesota Wild. Wild are your goal and a half favorite. The total six in this one. I'm Alex Vasano, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Now back to Greg and Frank on the Fantasy BFFs. All right, we're going to get into the shortstop position today here on the Fantasy BFFs from a fantasy baseball perspective. We'll talk a little bit more about Chris Sale. Uh, but before we do all of that, we'd like to give you a little snippet of our NBA tip drill. And earlier today, Sean Guastamacchia spoke with Ricky Sanders of DailyRoto.com about why he is getting Scary Terry in his lineups tonight. All right, let's start with your players. A lot of great options at point guard. You're going with Charlotte Hornets point guard, Terry Rozier. Yeah, and I think people who played Terry Rozier the last time Devontae Graham was out may be having nightmares, but look, that was the nightmare scenario. Terry Rozier played 18 first half minutes in that game, so he was on pace to play a ton of minutes. And then the team just got absolutely blown out. They were losing by 40 for most of the second half in Indiana. They lost that game by 39 points. And tonight is expected to be a lot closer. They're playing at home. They're playing a San Antonio team that's dealing with their own injuries. And it's the second end of a back-to-back for San Antonio. So we really do expect this one to remain competitive. And we see a lot of minutes and a lot of shots available for Terry Rozier without not just Devontae Graham, but Malik Monk as well. So... His price tag probably should be, you know, one to 2000 higher in this scenario. It is not. So we're loving the price tag for Terry Rozier tonight. And we don't think he'll be having nightmares for the second straight time without Graham. I think this game will be much better from him. All right, there you have it. Terry Rozier, the guy you got to start tonight. And remember, you got the three-point uh, contest over FanDuel tonight, $333,000 on the line. And, Frank, I'm going to put in a lineup for the first time in a while because you, if you have all nine of your players hit a three tonight in this contest, which costs $3.33, you're going to share of twenty grand in site credit for FanDuel. Kind of cool. 
Oh, I'm jumping in, Greggy. Let's make it happen. We'll get a few three-point shooters out there. Uh, maybe even some scary Terry. Can I interest you in Terry Rozier, Greg? Of course, Ricky Sanders had to get as many nightmare puns in as he possibly can while talking about scary Terry. Did you notice that, Greg? It's kind of what he does, and you have to just call him out on it, because if you don't, like I'm going to call Alex Pisano out on platelet rather than platelet, uh, they, they will just keep making their mistakes. Uh, Alex Fasano. Great news update. And, of course, the Knicks, Greg, uh, one step forward and two steps back. Huge win last night against the Rockets. Now we got some Spike Lee drama. This is ridiculous, the Spike Lee drama. Like, I've tried to see bits and pieces of it. He, he got pissed that he wasn't able to go to a certain entrance. Is that what's going on, Frank? Yeah, apparently that's what's going on. And uh, the Knicks released a statement earlier today uh, saying that Spike Laughable. Lee is... It is laughable, and he's causing drama because he wants to enter through the employee entrance, and they have a VIP entrance for all of their celebrities, and I, I don't know what's going on, Greg. So, wait, so it's crazy. So, from when I was a member of the media, uh, there was always a, an employee slash, um, employee slash media entrance, right? And that's where all the celebrities went through, and that's where, like, I was in an elevator with, like, Jon Stewart, right? Like, he was in that elevator with the media and the, and the employees. The VIP P entrance, which is, I believe, for, like, if you're in, like, boxes and stuff, you could use that entrance, which is on, um, like, 32nd Street, I want to say, between 7th and 8th. I'm like, that, Spike Lee's not going through there with those lines and stuff. It's not happening. Very strange. Very strange indeed, Greg. Uh, but R.J. Barrett looked pretty good last night. But nobody's talking about the win because they're all talking about Spike Lee. I'm talking about the win, Greg. Come on. The Knicks beat the Rockets. Let's go. Leon Rose, undefeated. I texted you last night. I saw you on the bus this morning, and I'm like, what happened? You're like, R.J. Barrett went off. I'm like, but so did Westbrook and Harden. And you're like, I don't know, man. I think they, like, out-rebounded the Rockets by plus 20. They had, like, a bunch of offensive rebounds. Hey, that's what's going to happen with the, with the small ball line. back to bite him in the ass. Of course, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, before the update, we were talking about Chris Sale. I'll get back to my situation in a moment, but we talked about Chris Sale, who now, not surprisingly, MRI getting sent to Dr. James Andrews because he has some elbow soreness. Yeah, we knew this a month ago, where he reported late because he had the flu, which turned into pneumonia, which turned to he's not starting the season on time because he had pneumonia a month ago. Well, Frank, it looks like he's not starting the season on time, not because of pneumonia, because his elbow still hurts him. Yeah, and shout out to you, Greg, because you were on this from the get-go. You had him lower than anyone else that I saw in terms of starting pitcher ranks. And it makes sense, right? I mean, look, you're going to put this guy in the, uh, the IL a month before the season starts because he's dealing with a flu. He's dealing with an illness. It just never really made sense. So obviously, last year, visited with Dr. James Andrews. Going to do the same thing again now. Getting tests done. They're going to send those results over to Dr. James Andrews. And we'll see what happens with Chris Sale. I asked you this during the break uh, before we started, started the show. Is there anywhere that you would draft Chris Sale right now? And you said, no. No, I'm not drafting Chris Sale. If we're, I, I think that's the right answer, Greg. The if, problem is... If we're drafting, yeah. Yeah. All the starting pitchers around him are going to get moved up the board. Like Corbin, Castillo, Paddock, Morton. Those guys are all going to become third-round picks, like solidified third-round picks. Listen, if we are drafting today or we're drafting tomorrow, before we hear anything from Andrews, you're not touching Chris Sale. You're absolutely not touching Chris Sale with the 10-foot pole. However, like if you're drafting in three weeks from now and there's a plan in place and he could get better, then you draft them if the, if the number is right, right? If the value is right. But Chris Sale, man, he's not going to be my top 50 at this point. Like, I probably should just X him out. I don't want to draft him. I know next week we have a draft next Thursday. He will not be near our team. 
rather have Giancarlo Stanton than Chris Sale. And that's saying something. Yeah, at least Stanton, um, you know, we think he's going to be back at some point, right? Aaron Judge? There's a plan. Who knows, Greg? There's a plan. There's no plan with Chris Sale. True. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to come back. Let's dive into the shortstop position, Frankie, from top to bottom. And we got to make sure everybody knows who the top three shortstops are and the sleepers and the bus. And you also got to make sure that I know what to do with my trade. Stick around. More VFFs next. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. All right, back here on the BFFs, Greg Sussman, Frank Stanfield. Frank, I made an executive decision that I will take my uh, trade talk off the air so we don't waste time instead of talking about shortstops. Is that cool with you? Oh, that's perfectly fine with me, Greg. It only took you about three years to figure out we shouldn't be talking about your team. We should rather be helping everyone else draft their team, Greg. Well, you know, helping me draft my team also helps with people draft their team, so... Whatever. All right. So, yeah, I think so. It does. Let's begin our shortstop preview, Frank, and let's start at the top where well, we did this a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to spend so much time here, but we really narrowed it down to three guys that should be in your top three, and those are Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, and Trey Turner, three first-round shortstops that are going in the you know kind of 6 through 12 range. I have ordered it Lindor, Story, and Turner. Do you agree? I have it Lindor, Story, Turner as well, Greg. Uh, and I like Trey Turner, the upside of the stolen bases that he can provide, Greg. But the other guys are going to give you a more consistent five-category production. They're going to give you more home runs uh, out of Francisco Lindor, out of Trevor Story, and uh, more RBIs as well. So I just think that the five-category production is going to be more consistent across the board from guys like Lindor, like a Trevor Story rather than a Trey Turner. Trevor Story um, has done something only he and Christian Yelich have done each of the past two seasons, Greg, and that's to hit 70 home runs and steal 50 bases. Only Trevor Story and uh, Christian Yelich have done that in the past two seasons combined, obviously. Uh, and Lindor last year missed some time with the calf, but it didn't matter because he came back and he was still running and doing what he always does. And obviously entering a contract year for Francisco Lindor. I still like Trey Turner a lot, Greg, but talk about him moving down in the order a little bit as well. If he moves down to three, yes, we'll get an uptick in RBIs, but we'll lose some run score, we'll lose some stolen bases as well. So because of all those reasons, I do have him third of the three, but I will also throw this out there, Greg, that Alex Bregman should probably be in there as a fourth option, no? So I don't have Alex Bregman in my shortstop rankings. Um, yes, Bregman's amazing, and he would be fourth for me, but because we talked about him so much yesterday at third base, I just pulled him out of shortstop. All right, that's fine. I mean, yeah, I still have him in my rankings. I have him fourth at shortstop, but if you prefer to put him at that's third fine. base or if that's where you want to use him or because we spoke about him yesterday, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I will just throw it out there that 
in most leagues, Alex Bregman does have shortstop eligibility, uh, and I don't mind using him at that position. I would have him fourth of the top four that are going uh, in that mid to late first round area. Lindor, Story, Trey Turner, Alex Bregman for me, Greg. All right, so yeah, so we have the, we have the top four, and I'm totally with you. Um, for me, it's Lindor, Story, Turner, and then Bregman. Those four guys are all first-round picks. And then you get to Fernando Tatis, who is our fifth shortstop for both of us. And Tatis is this guy that was amazing last year. We spent a lot of time on him uh, over the past couple of weeks. Tatis is going where right now, Frank? And how confident are you in him bringing back value? So Fernando Tatis right now over the past week over at the NFBC is going at pick 16. So uh, in the middle of the second round in a 12-team league, in the deeper 15-team formats over at the NFBC, he is a borderline first-round pick going around the wheel. Uh, and when it comes to Fernando Tatis, what he did last year, I understand a lot of people are going to point to the Babbitt, but he does make extremely hard contact when he does make contact. The strikeouts are still an issue. 29.6% strikeout rate from Fernando Tatis last year. Uh, a BABIP over 400, a 410 BABIP to be exact, led to a 317 batting average last year, 22 home runs, and 16 stolen bases in only 84 games played, Greg. Uh, if you take Fernando Tatis, you are someone who is willing to take risks. Obviously, he is a second-year player. That means that you know, our pitcher is going to make adjustments to him. Is he going to be able to make adjustments back? Is he going to struggle with strikeouts once again this upcoming season? Uh, there's a lot of risk involved. I think that the floor is potentially a low one for Fernando Tatis. But Greg, he's being drafted where he is because people see a Ronald Acuna-like skill set out of him. Someone that can hit 30 home runs, steal 25 bases, maybe give you a 270 batting average. I mean, if he cuts down on the strikeouts, maybe we're talking about a 280 hitter similar to Ronald Acuna. So I think people know that the floor is a little bit lower in this range than some other players, Greg, but they also see that very high ceiling, a Ronald Acuna-like ceiling, and it's kind of hard to argue against because Tatis has the pedigree. He is an incredible athlete, Greg. He has speed. He has power. He can do it all. It's honestly hard to argue uh, with people if they said that Fernando Tatis does have Ronald Acuna-type upside. Yeah, I get it, man. I get that Tatis is um, that guy this season here going toward the end of the first round in those 15-team leagues at number 16 or going in the middle of the second round in the 12-team leagues. I understand the excitement around him. That's why he's at number five for me because he does have that potential. It's an interesting San Diego lineup. I'm with you here, man, uh, with Fernando Tatis at number five. For us, for, he's at number four for me because I don't have Bregman in there. But uh, up next, Javier Baez and Xander Bogarts. I have a Bogarts Baez. Obviously, you're a huge Javi Baez guy this year. You've been all about him. You like Bogarts, too. Uh, we just have him flip-flops. Yeah, I have Javier Baez at number five at the shortstop position. This is someone who was a borderline first-round pick last year, Greg. And I don't really understand what's happened for him to fall into the third Sometimes fourth round of fantasy drafts um, this season. He's been incredibly consistent the past couple of years between a 273 and 290 hitter from 2015 through 2019. That's a five year sample size where he's basically hit between 275 and 290. So you don't have a wide range of outcomes. He's very safe for his batting average. He's not, you know, going to be a plus contributor, an over 300 hitter, but he's also not going to hurt your batting average. And last year, Greg, in 138 games, some of those games he also played hurt. He was dealing with a thumb injury, 29 home runs, 89 runs scored, 85 ribbies, 11 stolen bases. I, I just don't get it. 
I mean, if you don't like Javier Baez, maybe it's because you play in a points league. If you're penalized for strikeouts or if you play in an OBP league, yes, he is going to be devalued in those leagues, Greg. And you worry about the plate discipline, but I've gotten past that. Because remember a couple of years ago, I tried to doubt Javier Baez because of the plate discipline, and he made me look like a complete fool, Greg. This is just who he is. He swings at pitches, out, uh, pitches outside the zone. He has incredibly quick hands, uh, incredible bat speed as well. Going to hit for power, going to steal you a few bases, hit in the middle of that lineup in the prime of his career. I don't know what else you need to ask for when it comes to Javier Baez. I think he and Manny Machado are the biggest values going in the early to mid rounds this season thus far. Yeah, I'm with you, man. We always try to find these guys that have the ability to be first-round picks. Like you said just a moment ago, Frank, Javier Baez, uh, last year going around the first round and not much has changed. Machado obviously had the bad year, but these are the type of players, and we've talked about this a lot, uh, both on on the air and off the air. If we could start our team with Javier Baez and Manny Machado, we have two guys that don't cost you a first-round pick, don't cost you a first-round value in an auction, but does potentially provide you that first-round value back. It's a strategy that we saw others in the auction uh, utilize last year, and it's something we want to take advantage of this year. While Bogarts doesn't probably necessarily fit that first-round value that Javier Baez does, Bogarts still really solid uh, on his own end. Yeah, Xander Bogarts is incredibly safe, Greg. And I've said this before about Bogarts. He reminds me of Anthony Rendon at the shortstop position. You know, I think he's someone that's not necessarily, um, you know, he's not going to excel at any one thing, but he's solid just across the board. Uh, I think the power comes back a little bit for Xander Bogarts, someone that might have been helped out by the juice ball last year, wound up hitting 33 home runs. That seems a little high for me. I'd probably project anywhere from 25 to 30, but... The batting average has consistently climbed. He's gone from 273 to 288 to 309 each of the past three seasons. Uh, gave you runs and RBIs last year. Still hitting in the middle of a solid lineup. No more Mookie bats, I get that. But they still have Devers, and they still have J.D. Martinez. And Fenway Park, as much as I know, Greg, is still a great place to hit if you are a right-handed hitter as well. So uh, especially if you play in a points league, I think he gets a bump there. Uh, in a points league, I would take Bogars over Javier Baez. He's going to hit a ton of doubles. Uh, he started walking more last year, about an 11% walk rate for Xander Bogarts. Uh, doesn't really steal many bases as he used to. You know, Maybe he'll give you a handful of steals. Uh, again, Greg, doesn't really hurt you anywhere. Just solid across the board. To me, Xander Bogarts is the Anthony Rendon of the shortstop position, and you actually get him around later than Anthony Rendon. It's funny because I liked Anthony Rendon yesterday when we were talking about third baseman, and I just loved that floor. I loved knowing what you were going to get. I love that comfort factor. And it is different in a points league than it is in Roto, and Xander Bogart certainly fits that build for me. Uh, and getting him around later than Anthony Rendon here in the second or third round, I like it, man. I like Xander Bogart. I think he's a really safe option at shortstop position that, as you mentioned at the top, it's unusually deep. We're both in on Bogarts and we're in on Javier Baez. Let's get the full screens back up here, guys, of our shortstops because now we differ a little bit. So I'm going to go with mine. For me, I got Alberto Mondesi, who I want to get into, Bobachette, Glaber Torres, and then I'll move on to the next. Frank, you have it a little bit differently because you don't have Alberto Mondesi nearly as high as I do. Um, let's pull Frank's up here for a second because Frank. He's got Alberto Mondesi at number nine. So it's a flip-flop here. You got Gleber uh, up there. I didn't put Machado on my list. That's really different. And Bobachette, way lower for you at number 13. I've obviously been higher on the Toronto guys than you have. Uh, but why so low on Bichette? And where do you see Alberto Mondesi here? 
Uh, so with Adalberto Montesi, I have him as my ninth shortstop off the board, just behind Glaber Torres, Xander Bogarts, and Javier Baez, which means I'm probably not going to have any Adalberto Montesi this upcoming season, Greg, because he is somebody who is creeping up draft boards right now, starting to creep into that 2-3 turn range. Uh, borderline second-round pick is Adalberto Montesi. People just fall in love with the speed when it comes to Montesi, and I get that, but last year... Dealt with a major shoulder injury, had surgery in the offseason, still has not participated in a spring training game. From all the reports that I've seen, he's going to be good to go for opening day with the Kansas City Royals. But again, he hasn't been able to stay healthy in the majors. He's had injuries in the minor leagues as well. There's no doubting that if he does stay healthy for 140, let's say 140 plus games, he's probably going to hit 15 to 20 home runs and steal you 45 to 50 bases. And if he does that, You probably won your Roto League if you drafted him in the third round. But I think that the floor is also, you know, he gets injured. He's not running as much with Mike Matheny as the manager. Uh, The plate discipline just completely implodes. This is somebody who has a career 30% strikeout rate, Greg, and a 4% walk rate. Maybe he's a similar player to Javier Baez where he can maintain that. But Baez has a longer history of being able to do that than somebody like Mondesi. I understand The speed is enticing, Greg, but I think that there's also incredible risk when it comes to Mondesi. I love it. You're all about speed, average your runs, and now I have a guy ranked higher, and you don't want the speed, average your runs He doesn't hit average, Greg. He's a 250 hitter. Some of the other guys, when we come back. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. Here on the BFFs, Greg Sussman and Frank Stample. Before the break, Frankie, got a little bit of a tussle there in regards to Adalberto Mondesi. All I know is for weeks, you and I have been trying to find speed to round out our lineups. And I bring up Adalberto Mondesi. Dude only stole 43 bases last year. I feel like you're out. Well, Greg, you mentioned that he's going to give you batting average. He's a 250 career hitter in the majors. And that's across 249 career games. Uh, he has terrible plate discipline, doesn't walk, strikes out, and he's an injury risk. The one thing I will say, Greg, is yes, I want stolen bases, I want runs, I want batting average in the early rounds. But if you've noticed, the players that I have been off have been players that come with significant injury risk. Guys like Aaron Judge, guys like Giancarlo Stanton, and now the same thing goes with Adalberto Mondesi. Last year, he actually hurt his shoulder sliding headfirst into a base. That's something he's likely going to do again this year while he's trying to steal bases 
and make plays happen with his legs. So I just I worry about that shoulder injury. I understand that he has incredible upside, and I have said this before. You know, obviously I'm going to end up having like eight or nine leagues, which is just way too many because I'm a madman. But I would like one share of Adelbert Tomanesi in case he does go off. But outside of that, he's not uh, someone that I'm willingly target that I need to have on every single one of my teams. If I'm calling out who that player is at the shortstop position, that player is Javier Baez for me. Yeah, listen, I like Baez, I like Boger, it's Adelbert Adelbert's after those guys. And I just thought you would say when it came to him versus Glaber, it's more of a roster construction type of thing. Yes, Glaber could go off, uh, hit 40 bombs, bat 280, uh, ton of RBIs and runs scored, but those those stolen bases, 43 stolen bases in just 102 games last year. I, you, we wonder as how quick it could get. Where is Mondesi going? I guess that's really the question we got to ask ourselves, right? Where is he going right now? So Mondesi is going over the past week at pick 35. So in the at the end of the third round in a 12-teamer, in the middle of the third round in a 15-teamer, uh, going just ahead of him, Greg, we have Ozzy Albies, Austin Meadows, Glaber Torres. Going just behind him, Javier Baez, um, Jose Altuve, Kettle Marte, Jonathan Villar. Like, like, what's the difference between Adalberto Mondesi and Jonathan Villar, Greg? Jonathan Villar is more proven than That's Adalberto exactly Mondesi. That, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Uh, Johnny VR going behind Mondesi. Uh, VR is ranked what, a, couple, a couple spots behind Mondesi in my rankings. And yeah, he has proven himself. We've also seen, and the difference is, like we've seen the bottom for Jonathan VR. We've seen how inconsistent he could get. I think with Mondesi, the thought or the feeling is that he's still ascending, right? Like all of these things can improve. But getting VR a little bit later kind of encaptures that value um, and that bottom out. VR for me is my number 10, third, or 10 shortstop on the board. I didn't keep, like, Manny Machado's not in this list. Uh, Alex Bregman's not in this list either. Um, but Jonathan, Jonathan VR, I, I like VR, and he's in there inside the top 10 for me. Yeah, look, Jonathan VR is another one where not really a target of mine, and I understand, Greg, he gives you stolen bases, but that's because I've been getting a lot of shares of Javier Baez, who is you know going behind Adelberto Montesi, and in my opinion, is someone who should be closer to a borderline second, third round pick. Uh, so I think that there's good value on Javier Baez right now. Uh, and Jonathan VR, I have him one spot behind Montesi, Greg. I think you're right. We, we've seen the floor for uh, Jonathan VR, and it involves... Too many strikeouts, potentially getting benched. And I think we have question marks right now with Miami, right? Like, he's going to play center field, something he's never done before, Greg. How is Jonathan VR going to respond to that? Is he someone that's going to be shopped around the deadline? He's on a one-year deal with the Miami Marlins. Is he going to wind up on a team where he doesn't play every single day? So I think that there are a lot of question marks when it comes to Jonathan VR. But it's hard to argue with the season he put together last year. 274. 24 home runs, 111 runs scored for a terrible Baltimore Orioles team, Greg. 40 stolen bases. Uh, I think the speed's still going to be there. 35-plus steals for uh, for Johnny VR. The power likely comes back a little bit, going from Camden Yards to Marlins Park, obviously. Uh, and I think the runs, there's no way he's replicating 111. Maybe he gives you 85, 90 runs scored uh, in that Marlins lineup. But I, I do think that there are some question marks regarding VR uh, with the... The playing time, I mean, he's probably going to play, but just a new position uh, and the potential to be traded maybe halfway through the season, Greg. Yeah, I think those are all fair, man. I, I think Johnny VR is a guy that where he's going, we talked a lot about this. You don't want Jonathan VR at this price. Like, you know, ideal world, yeah. You like the stolen bases. You like that you're going to be playing every single day. You like all of these things. 
But then you're like, oh, do I really want to drive Jonathan VR where he's going? No, you don't. And that's the problem Right, here. he goes ahead Both of Xander Bogart. And Adelbert Amondesi. He's going ahead of Bogart. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so you can't, I, I can't do it. And that's the thing. For Mondesi and for VR, I like the idea of them. I like what they will give your team. But there's no way I am using the type of resource it requires to draft either of those players. Instead, Frank, we need to talk about pivoting. The two guys I think you want to pivot to potentially are Tim Anderson or my man Bo Bichette. Maybe I'm buying into the Bo Bichette hype here. I have him very, very high, much higher than you do. But what do you think about Tim Anderson and Bo Bichette? Yeah, I like Tim Anderson a lot. I think he is a, a target of mine going in the middle rounds uh, as a shortstop if you opt to wait until that you know, sixth, seventh round range. Uh, Tim Anderson just entering his prime, 26 years old, Greg. And you want to talk about batting average and stolen bases. That's exactly what Tim Anderson's going to give yep. you. And he's not going nearly as high as some of these other players that we're talking about. You see the projections at the bottom of the screen. You know, They have him projected for 276 batting average, which to, in my opinion, Greg, is a little bit... Uh, pessimistic. Last year he hit 335. I understand it was on the back of a 399 Babbitt, but Tim Anderson is someone who makes a ton of contact, Greg. He doesn't strike out all that much. Um, and last year he became a better hitter all around, starting using the entire field more, started hitting the ball to the center field more often, started hitting the ball to the opposite field more often. Tim Anderson, frankly, is just becoming a better player. He is progressing. Not someone who's going to walk. He's a lot like Javier Baez where he doesn't take walks. He's in a very a, a very aggressive swinger as well. But I would project him for you know a 280-plus batting average, potentially a tw 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And normally, whenever we talk about players like that, Greg, those guys are going in the second, third-round range because they're going to give you home runs and they're going to give you steals. Last year, 18 home runs and 17 stolen bases in only 123 games the year before, in 153 games, 20 home runs and 26 steals for Tim Anderson. So I actually have him ranked one spot ahead of Bo Bichette. I understand Bo Bichette has more prospect pedigree and potentially more upside just all around than Tim Anderson. But Anderson's been doing this for a while now, Greg. I mean, we know he's going give, to uh, give you home runs and stolen bases. Bo Bichette last year, four steals, four caught stealing. What happens if they put up the red light at some point? I like what I saw out of Bobachet last year. I think that there is some power in that bat. Could hit for some batting average as well. Uh, but I think that there is a downside to Bobachet that people are not really baking into his price right now where he's going as like a fifth-round pick. He's actually consistently going ahead of Tim Anderson, and that's something I can't really get behind. I like both of those guys, as you said. Tim Anderson has been doing it. He's 26. He's in the prime of his career. But that ascension for Bobachet, yeah, the floor is going to be lower but I do think that upside is going to be higher. You look at Bichette, man. He had 15 stolen bases in AAA last year in just 56 games. You extrapolate that to the major leagues, you're going to get you're a very good shot of having at least a 2020 player here. I know what Tim Anderson did. I know how good he is. I know the average for Tim Anderson was awesome last year. You're, you can definitely say that why draft Bo Bichette earlier when you can get the same numbers potentially from Tim Anderson. Anderson's safer. I think the upside, the ceiling for Bichette is probably higher. And I don't want to be you here, Frank. But doesn't it kind of depend on what you're looking for? If you want the higher upside guy, you go with Bichette. You want to be a little bit safer, you draft Tim Anderson? I, I see what you're saying, Greg. But what if I told you the ADP, the price difference, was 30 spots in ADP right now with Bo Bichette going at pick 62 and Tim Anderson going at pick 95? If you can get Tim Anderson 30 picks later, you're telling me you're not going to be interested in that, Greg? There's no question. 
If you told me they were going back to back, I would say, but 30 picks later, that's two rounds uh, in the NFBC of 15 team leagues. We're talking almost three rounds in your standard draft. Yes, 1,000%. I'll go with Tim Anderson there. Let me move on, Frank, to a guy that we're used to seeing much earlier on the list, and that's Carlos Correa, a guy that you swore off of last year. You were right. Where do you have him here this year? I have him as my 15th ranked shortstop, and I have a tier, Greg, from 11 to 15 as some middle-round shortstop options, uh, and that tier includes Manny Machado. We spoke about him a lot yesterday on our third-base preview. Uh, Manny Machado, Tim Anderson, Bo Bichette, Marcus Semien, and Carlos Correa. And I understand that one of these years, Carlos Correa is probably going to burn me, Greg, but until then, I'm going to continue to rank Carlos Correa lower than everybody else because the guy just cannot stay healthy. He is a lot like Aaron Judge and Stanton. He is a phenomenal athlete. He is very strong. But he has dealt with a lot of injuries to his core, Greg, from the back, the oblique, the neck. Last year, he hurt himself getting a quote-unquote massage. He landed on the IL last year. 75 games in 2019. 110 games in 2018, 109 games in 2017. The guy cannot stay healthy. Yes, he hits the ball extremely hard. The stat cast data is enticing. I understand all that. 21 home runs last year in only 75 games. If the guy could stay healthy, he's probably going to hit you close to 40 home runs and have a Glaber Torres type season. But until I see that again and his ability to stay healthy, Greg, then I am going to continue to rank Carlos Correa uh, lower than everybody else because, frankly, I, I just don't trust his health. It's interesting because I'm right there with you with Carlos Correa, Frankie, because he hasn't played a full season since 2016. That's a long time ago at this point. And I have Correa ranked here, which I guess is lower than everybody else, but this tier of guys for me, and I don't even think it's just 11 to 15, when you go with like Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon, Kendall Marte, Corey Seager, Jorge Polanco, Ahmed Rosario, Elvis Andres, like... That this that like second column on this list on your screens, I like all of these guys. Like shortstop is really deep this year, and I really like almost all these guys inside the top twenty. Like we do this a lot of the players that hey we have to rank them here, but we don't really want them for the most part on this list. Frank, I, I like all of them. Yeah, I'm with you, Greg, and that's why the shortstop position is deeper this year than ever before. I'm mean, Corey Seager is someone who has incredible upside, former top prospect in baseball. We've spoken about him a lot. Uh, yeah. Ned Rosario, a former top prospect with the New York Mets. You want someone that could give you a little bit of pop, some speed. I think Rosario fits that mold uh, as well. Seems like people are forgetting about names like Gene Segura and Elvis Andrus because they're a little bit older. Uh, when we sure. come back, we'll talk a little bit more about those players, but you're right, Greg. Uh, this position goes about... You know, 20 players deep where I wouldn't really mind getting any of those guys in my starting shortstop or maybe even targeting them as a middle infielder in deeper drafts. Yeah, I'm in on them for sure, man. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the shortstop preview here next. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount.
All right, back here, BFF's final 12 minutes of the program. Pharrell, Coast to Coast, is live right here at our Meadowland studio, and he's coming your way next. He'll be joined, of course, by Carver High, Mafia, Joe Ranieri joining him in hour number two. Frank, let's wrap up our shortstop preview here today. And let's get to the second half. Like you mentioned Corey Seager. Uh, you mentioned guys like Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura. Uh, even Ahmed Rosario, I think, is a really nice value here this season. And you talked about which guys you want at shortstop and who you may be targeting as a middle infielder. Why don't you bring that down for us? Who do you want and accept as your starting shortstop? And who would you much prefer to have as a middle infielder? So I, I don't really mind any of these guys as a starting shortstop. Again, going 20 deep. Elvis Andrews, uh, Gene Segura, Ahmed Rosario, Jorge Polanco, Corey Seager. I actually have a few leagues where uh, deeper formats, 15-team leagues, where I already have Gene Segura and Elvis Andrews as my starting shortstop. So I don't really mind any of those guys. But uh, I'll just start off with Corey Seager as someone who I am targeting here. And we spoke about him in the past, Greg. Last year... In the offseason, coming off elbow hip surgeries, uh, got off to a really slow start in April last year where he hit 236 with only two home runs, a 37% hard contact rate. From May 1st on last year, he hit 282 with 17 home runs, a 43.6% hard contact. Uh, and if he does that over the course of 140, 150 games, uh, then we're probably looking at you know a 280 hitter. 25-plus home runs, hitting in a really good Dodgers lineup where the runs and RBIs, the counting stats are going to be there. He's not going to give you anything in terms of stolen bases, Greg. So this is the point of the draft where you really have to look at what you need. And if what you need is a good batting average and you need a little bit of pop and you need some runs and RBIs, then Corey Seager is your guy. And if you need some stolen bases, then perhaps you're looking in a different direction. Someone like Rosario, Gene Segura, and Elvis Andrews. I do have Rosario ranked the highest of those three just because he's the youngest, if we're being honest, right? Like Elvis Andrews, a little bit older, past 30 years old, still stole yeah. 30 bases last year. I don't know that he's going to come close to doing that once again. Probably, you know, I think a fair projection for Andrews, 10 to 12 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Uh, Gene Segura, I think, could be a 15-15 player. Good ballpark still, really good lineup with the Phillies, Greg. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, he's going to give you steals. The problem is, Greg, he plays for the Mets. And I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not trying to just, like, you know, poke holes here for the sake of it. But it's when it comes to Ahmed Rosario, he's going to bat near the bottom of that lineup. And, and throughout spring, he has been batting uh, leadoff a lot. But I just think if Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo are healthy that the Mets want those two guys at the top of the lineup because they are better OBP bets, uh, and they're going to get on base. In Ahmed Rosario's major league career, he has a 4.4% walk rate and a 305 OBP. Yes, the batting average is very good, but he's someone who doesn't get on base very much. And if we're talking about the steals when it comes to Rosario, Greg, I get that he had 19 last year, and he really improved in the second half, but he had 10 caught stealing in 2019. He had 11 caught stealing in 2018, Greg, what happens if this guy keeps running into outs and they just tell him to stop running? Then what is he going to give you? What is Ahmed Rosario's value then? So uh, he is someone that I do worry about potentially getting the red light at some point because he just gets caught stealing too much, Greg. Yeah, that's way too much, man. Ten, ten times two years ago, uh, or two, ten times last year, 11 times two years ago, it's simply way too much to get caught stealing. But the fact that he had 24 steals two years ago and he got caught 11 times, 19 he got caught 10 times, that's wild. If he just converts some of those into actual stolen bases, you're getting the guy that has 30 steals, which is obviously tough to come by. I 
am fine with him as my middle infielder. I don't want him as my starting shortstop. Corey Seager, you mentioned all the reasons why. We think he can, be, he can bounce back this season as he's someone healthy. Diego Gorius is a weird one for me out there in Philadelphia. Because I feel like nobody likes him, right? They've moved him all around the diamond. They want Scott Kingery in, uh, or, or Gene Segura, rather, with the, Philadelphia, with the Philadelphia Phillies. They've moved him all around the diamond. And I'm just so confused by this Phillies infield of Kingery, Segura, and Didi. Like, I don't know if I should want all of them, not want all of them. If they're all going to play every day, who's going to be the most valuable? Who's hitting at the top of the lineup? Can you help me out? Well, Greg, I do think that Scott Kingery, I think all three of them are going to play quite regularly for the Phillies this upcoming season, Greg. And Scott Kingery likely going to play second. They have Didi at shortstop. They have uh, Gene Segura slated to play third base right now. But it is worth mentioning that they have a top prospect with the name of Alec Baum, who is getting closer and closer, and they really, really like can't, this kid. Can't say Baum on an airplane, Frank. Uh, we're not on an airplane right now, Greg. We are on the airwaves, but Alec Baum uh, is someone who they do well, like the out there bomb, in Philly. You know. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it, Greg. Uh, but Air, uh, Alec Baum is someone they like. So if he comes up, then I think that's when we start to have some issues uh, with playing time for these guys. But at least for the first couple of months, I think that everyone's pretty safe. The problem with Didi, Greg, is I want to like him, but he doesn't really excel in the areas that you need him to excel, Anywhere, right? Yeah. Like. He's going to hit you 25 home runs, which is fine, and you know he gives you some out-of-position power at the shortstop position, but he's probably going to hit 250, 260, not going to give, give you any stolen bases. And you know this is something I've said in the past, Greg. I, I do like to get some steals out of my shortstop, out of my middle infield position, uh, and guys like Elvis Andrus and Gene Segura are going to do just that, while Didi Gregorius is fine. He just doesn't really contribute where you need, to, need him to contribute, Greg. No, he doesn't. Dini Gregorius, we've talked a lot about the categories that you were looking for from your shortstop. Dini Gregorius does not exactly give you what you need. we got about six minutes left. Let's get to our sleeper shortstops that we like this year. And we begin, Frankie, with our guy. Can't say bomb on an airplane, but you can't say, come on, Carter Keboom. He's back with the Washington Nationals. Could have a starting role here this year. He's not going to let us down two years in a row, right? Well, I hope not, Greg, after I spent all of my fab budget last year in the NFBC main event on Carter Keyboom. Our uh, fab. We both did it. We were all in on Keyboom. Yeah, Keyboom went our fab budget last year, Greg. It did not work out very well. Uh, look, Keyboom, another one where he's not really going to give you any stolen bases, but could potentially give you batting average, Greg. A career 287 hitter in the minors with an 847 OPS. Uh, someone that could provide you some power. There have been some whispers some comparisons uh comparing Carter Keyboom to in Anthony Rendon within the organization I don't know that he has that type of upside uh, and he still needs to get better as a fielder Greg because if he continues to commit errors then he's going to find himself on the bench once again that is Carter Keyboom uh he's likely going to play third base for the Washington Nationals so he'll have third base eligibility and shortstop there Greg the two names that I'm looking at we wanted them to be a thing for a while that is Dansby Swanson and Willie Adamas. Dansby Swanson last year, Greg, in 85 games in the first three months of the season through June 30th, he was hitting 269 with an 815 OPS, 15 home runs, and seven stolen bases. That was at about the midpoint of the season. So that would have put him on pace for 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases. He wound up hurting his foot. And over the next 42 games, the final 42 games that he played, Greg, he hit 213 with a 611 OPS. 
I do think a lot of that was attributed to him getting hurt and potentially playing through some injury. Uh, I obviously wouldn't project him to hit 30 home runs with 15 stolen bases, Greg, but let's not forget the pedigree that Dansby Swanson has. I think it's, he is someone that, if everything breaks right, can hit 260, give you 20 home runs, maybe 10 stolen bases, uh, obviously in a really good lineup with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, and then Willie Adamas last year, Greg, got off to a slow start from May 1st on, Hit 265 with 19 home runs, 56 runs scored, 48 ribbies, and three stolen bases. So, kind of gives you a little bit of a Didi Gregorius vibe, except you're getting him way later, later than Didi Gregorius if that's someone that you want to target as your middle infielder, Greg. Yeah, I, I think that Carter Keboom, Dansby Swanson, Willie Adamas, all of these players have that sleeper pedigree, have that. Uh, early round pick pedigree of former or current top prospects, I think all make sense as middle infielders, as late round picks. I also want to throw in our guy Jorge Mateo, now of the A's. Out of options, you pointed this out to me a lot. He's in the mix with Franklin Barreto at the second base position for the A's. Mateo's got some speed as well. He costs you nothing. So if you're looking for a middle infielder, Jorge Mateo with the Oakland A's could make some sense. All good with that? Yeah, I like Jorge Mateo, Greg. He's probably more of a reserve round uh, roster player where, you know, yep. you take him in a deeper league and you can just kind of stash him for now. He is out of options again with the Oakland A's. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Barreto? Maybe they play Tony Kemp at second base. Uh, there's a lot up in the air with the Oakland A's right now. I kind of wish that they would just DFA him, Greg, and give him the opportunity to latch on with, like, the Detroit Tigers where he'll just play every single day and probably give you, like, 25 stolen bases. That would be awesome. I think that is within the range of outcomes. Last year, Jorge Mateo in the minors hit 289 with 19 home runs and 24 steals. That's a valuable player. I get it. It's in the minor leagues. He hasn't done that at the major league level yet, Greg, but I think if you just gave this kid a shot somewhere, uh, he'll probably hit you like 250 with 20 stolen bases, which would be valuable in a deeper league. All right, should we play Rocket Shortstops? I'll name a couple. You just give me a, a quick thought here with the last minute and a half. Let's go. All right, let's play. Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco is somebody that I don't mind as a back-end shortstop or middle infielder. Going to give you a solid batting average and run scored for sure, hitting atop one of the best lineups in the league with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, but outside of batting average and runs, not really going to contribute much else, Greg. Luis Urias. Luis Urias is someone that I am interested in and I have grabbed in a few draft champions so far. Former top prospect with the San Diego Padres, now with, with the Milwaukee Brewers. Broke his hamate bone, but is taking batting practice this week. Should expect him back earlier on in the season. I think if everything goes all right with him, he's someone that can help you in the batting average department. Finally, Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung, man. How do we go this whole show without talking about Paul DeYoung? He's having a torrid spring right now, Greg. Hitting, he already has three home runs, uh, and he's going to give you power. He's a lot like a Didi Gregorius, except I think he'd give you even more power than a Didi, right? He'd give you like 30 home runs, and he started running last year, too. Had a terrible slump in the second half of the season, but if he rectifies that, I do think he's someone that can have a breakout-ish season this year, Greg. Tomorrow, we move on to the second baseman. Stick around for that. Up next... It's Pharrell, coast to coast, here at the Meadowlands. He's Frank Stanfield. I'm Greg Sussman. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. 
Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount.